Well, Billy Bradley, here we are after a road course, Daytona, headed down, staying in Florida one more week. We are headed down to uh, Homestead. I used to work in Homestead, Florida, Billy Bradley. Lived in uh, Kendall, Florida. If everybody doesn't know Kendall, that's where O.J. Simpson retired to to go find his wife's killer. Um, uh, well, and apparently he thought they were on the golf course. Time uh, in Kendall, Florida, but um, going down to Homestead, Miami, staying in Florida, and I got to tell you something, Billy. I did not watch one lap of the of the road course race. My wife and I, and my son and my daughter, the four of us went to a marriage conference. I like to do those things every now and again. Uh, I definitely can learn uh, a, a shit ton of things here, but I tell you what, I did learn about that road course race, and the road course race. This is going to be an interesting year. Now we have seven of these damn things. One in yeah. the playoffs, and we we saw rain play a factor coming in for tires and that sort of thing. A lot of debate this week. But I know you had, you know, some questions about you know the caution there at the end and that sort of thing. But where's one thing I can absolutely tell you? Christopher Bell is a man on a mission, and now he's got that first win under his belt, son. I um. I think that all of a sudden he's going to get a lot more fans and maybe some look here because that kid's got a lot of upside. He's already in the playoffs, buddy, and uh, I, I think I think we might have see something special out of him this year, Billy. What do you think about Christopher Bell? Are you going to win another one? Is this a fluke? How do you see his season going? Well, I would have thought he would win this soon. I did kind of see him winning. You know, that's like I told Wags. I mean, we've got – if you would have told me Michael McDowell and Christopher Bell would be our first two winners, I would have said, you're so full of shit. Well, as Wags and you talked about uh, on the post-race show, this is the first time since 1949 and 1950, the first two years of NASCAR is the last time we had two first-time winners get to start the NASCAR season. Now, I got to tell you something. Christopher Bell gets right in there and he gets a win in his his second race, and 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 he did it. I mean, he he, he wasn't a fluke. I, and and look at Michael McDowell. Michael McDowell starting sixth in Homestead, Billy. These two guys. I, I think I think what this proves is winning produces winning. And when yep. you've got that win on your uh, on your on your, your door, and you got the sticker up there, and you got a little confidence, and now you're starting up front because we're not qualifying, right? We're doing it by right. points and yeah. last and that. So it is extremely important to get up there and get into victory lane. And I saw interviews with Austin Dillon and Denny Hamlin and a few other drivers on if the pressure's on to get in there. They all acted kind of cool. But, Billy, I'm here to tell you, if you don't get a win soon and, and you're like Kyle, you don't want to be like Kyle Bush last year, you need to get in victory lane. Hell no. No, you're exactly right. Because we, I mean, we've done saw two winners this year that, we hadn't seen in the past and you know i think what last year there was 11 or 12 different winners so Mm -hmm. you add that to it that's 14 we could see we could see a 15 16 race win season with nobody getting in on points billy we said it for the last two years we said it all last year 2021 shaping up on paper to be the best season in nascar in my lifetime so far I am definitely entertained. 
uh, extremely entertained, as a matter of fact, knowing that we got these road course races. And listen, a lot of people hate the road course races. I like the road course races. And I, and I put it like this. Back in the day when they were running moonshine up in the hills of Tennessee and Kentucky and North Carolina, they weren't driving around the fucking town square. Uh, making a a mile and a half. Yeah, on a mile and a half town square, they were going uphill, downhill, crossing creeks, dirt roads, curves you couldn't see anything around, one lane roads, all that kind of stuff. This is NASCAR's true roots, in my in my opinion, is is road course racing, and, and I love it. I wish some of these these road courses we were going on. I wish more of them had uh, elevation changes because that's really where you see guys like Martin Truex Jr. That's where he really comes to to shine. But I, I I'm telling you. Road course races, I'm a fan of them. It, they produce I, tons of strategy, lots of um, issues with tires and all that kind of stuff. Well, Billy Bradley, let's bring in Rob Lopes and see what he has to say about all this. Rob Lopes, you on the line, brother? I'm here. How's it going? Uh, Rob is doing fantastic. Now, you spent two weeks down in, in Daytona. You got uh, a smash em up derby in the, in the first one. Then you came back with a road course a road course race and tires in these road courses, I think are going to be a thing all year long. And we saw it play out here at, at Daytona with, you know, rain tires and, and the caution and we could debate whether it was, whether it was true or not, or that sort of thing. But also this week coming up next week, I'm, uh, I should say, um, Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski and Martin Truex Jr. are going to be testing tires over at uh, Circuit of Americas and down near Austin, Texas. And I would imagine that <laughs> these road courses for a, for a tire guy like yourself has been in the garage for a couple of eons or three. Um, th- I, I'm, I'm guessing that this is probably going to cause a little bit more 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 thinking going on. Is, I mean, would that be accurate to say? Um, well, I mean, the fact that we're going to a couple new road courses that the Cup Series hasn't run is going to be a pretty significant thing. And, I mean, there was only, you know, there was only two in recent history here. There's only been two road courses we've been running, and that's Watkins Glen and, uh, and Sonoma. And then, you know, we threw in the old Roval. And then we threw in the Droval last year and this year. (laughs) Yeah. So and now we're going to what six road course races in one year. Uh, we're hitting up a couple yep. new places. Yep. Um, I I I'm pretty. I think it adds another layer or level of uncertainty as far as where we're going, mm-hmm. because you know road courses play out as as you saw down in Daytona. They play out a lot different than the ovals do nine times out of ten. Yeah. And and I. To you know, a little sidebar on that. If you and I had talked a month ago, or two months ago, or whatever, sometime over the winter, and said, "Hey, Rob, this is what I." If you had said to me, "Hey, Rob, the first two guys in the playoffs are going to be McDowell <laughs> and Christopher Bell," and Christopher Bell, I'd have been like, "Dude, yeah, like, well, I don't know, I." I don't know what you had for lunch, but I wouldn't eat it again because it's really messing with your mind, you know? I thought about that after that race, and I'm like, if you had told me that these two cats would be the first two guys in the playoffs, I'd have told you, you're crazy, you hit your head. But, hey, I mean, here here you go. And and we've been saying it on on this podcast all last year. Billy and I talked about it uh, earlier, but the fact of the matter is, 
2021 is shaping up to be a year we have never seen before. And all of NASCAR seasons are special. Do not get me wrong. Yeah. But this one is already historic. Um, yeah. With these two guys up here. And, and, hey, Michael McDowell still starting sixth. That tells you exactly what a win does for a team, Rob Lowe, because oh, yeah. that team oh, yeah. has got a little bit of swagger in them now. They're starting up front. They're getting There's no qualifying, so your qualifying is where you finished last race. That's 25% of where it was, and we see a team like Michael McDowell's team, and I don't mean any shade, but they have no – they have not even been sniffing the top 25 in previous years, and now all of a sudden they're starting six at Homestead in the third race. The, the, the confidence that you get with a win cannot be understated, Rob Lobes. It just you can see it yeah. with that team right there. Oh yeah, and and that that is the God's honest truth. I mean, a win definitely you know it really peps it puts pep in your step. It lets you know that hey you know and and. It, it lets you know, hey, you know, we're we're winners. We're you know, we've got a little something. You know, we're you know, we're on top of the game. You know, however you want to however you want to play it, it definitely adds to your confidence and it makes things it makes things go a little smoother in the shop and your and your attitude. You know, things don't bother you quite as much. And you know, and especially now, you know, you playoffs, you win, you're in. Yes. Well, you win, you know, you win that first race or, you know, you win a race in the first five of the season. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, all right, cool. Yeah. You know, now yeah. we can, you know, it, it really changes your game plan as you go through the season. Yeah. Uh, tremendous, tremendous uh, start for those guys. And, and as we talked last year with, with these, when you, when you have the ability to maybe change some things up, to be a little bit, uh, to use the phrase loosey-goosey, everybody in the shop is a little bit more cooperative with the wind under their belt. I, the one thing that surprised me, Billy, is, uh, you know, the ratings for Daytona were abysmal. Uh, they were headed to be fantastic uh, before the rain came and uh, the idiotic decision to, to run that thing at 9 o'clock at night, central time, and, and to get yeah. it going. But I, I'll tell you this. They were the, the, the road course was the most watched sporting event in America last weekend, and but it got a 2.8 rating. And, and let me explain to you uh, what that is. It got the same rating as the Daytona 500, but, Billy, it is the lowest second race of the season uh, in history. Uh, it, it says they've been watching TV ratings. 2.8 is the lowest second race of the season. If you go in last year, the second race of the season was like a 3.3. And this is just this is one of those things where I, I think across the board NBA viewership is down. The Super Bowl was the least watched Super Bowl in in decades. Uh, golf is down. I mean, everybody's sports watching on viewership is down, and, I, and there's a ton of different reasons we can talk about it. Obviously, COVID is number one. I think uh, sports being woke and being political as opposed to just getting out there and playing ball uh, or driving a car may be another one. But the fact of the matter is it is interesting to see where we are here with, with TV ratings. And, and, Billy, I know you guys uh, over there in, in Virginia, you guys are still – are you still playing youth ball? You, have you missed a youth sport uh, season yet this year? Yeah, actually, this last lockdown has hit the youth sports pretty hard, and the, now the high schools are, are are playing, but we're not able to play any of the youth sports. We have to uh, travel across the state lines and play on the Tennessee side. 
which makes absolutely no sense that, you know, we can <laughs> take safer. our team across the state line and yeah. play. Granted, it costs money to play, but that's okay. You know, we, when it comes to kids, you'll put what you have to to get them off the couch, to get them active. So, Billy, I'm going to tell you something. Kids play. Now, they are change, getting ready to change it up that we're going to head into Little League here, I think, in a couple weeks. So, well, might have some positive outlook. I will bet a dollar to a damn donut hole that when NASCAR opens its doors up for fans, you ain't going to see near the camp. The camping's going to be relatively done. And the people going to the stands are, are going to be the diehard fans. You're not going to yeah. get walk-ups like we thought we were going to get in 2019 when Barstool Sports came on. We're not going to yeah. get that because here's why. People are going to get in the habit of not going. They're going to get in the habit, Billy, of learning how to consume it on TV through streaming. I mean, nobody's got That's cable exactly anymore, what I think sake. the sport of NASCAR is getting ready to go to. I believe they are, too. I, I would Personally, I would be fine with that. I think it – and I've been a proponent of, you know, pay-per-view or, or streaming, you know, NASCAR.com. If they, see, if they had their own rights – now, they don't want that because – they're getting paid a bajillion freaking dollars to, um, but but this next TV contract, Billy, we ain't watching it on TV, in my opinion. I don't think that's a thing because every, everybody's going to be streaming. But I, it's very interesting that something that we are definitely going to watch throughout the season is the the TV ratings for sure. Um, a couple things that uh, newsworthy notes I want to hit on. It, it's funny, Billy, when we talk about practice. You know, last year COVID introduced this. Thing. None of us thought that you could. You could. We never saw a race that took, didn't take place with after you know, at least two practices, Billy. Um, we just didn't see that, and it's interesting. It came out this this uh, earlier that the Race Team Alliance pressured NASCAR to eliminate practice. They only want practice on these new courses, and the reason is, Billy, is because you know it, it's it's less shifts that they have to have in the shop, so there's less you know instances where you might transmit COVID and that sort of thing, but it lowers the costs tremendously. Just taking, you know, a couple thousand people to the race for these teams, you know, and staying three days versus one is a, is a, I mean, you got food, travel, all the stuff, rental cars, all the stuff that goes with it. It's just, it's lowered their, their weekly costs by probably a third. And also the, uh, the fact that, you know, these, practice these trade track i get this out i've been on golf courses all day the tracks <laughs> we're going to with no practice teams are just taking one car yeah yeah a lot of the teams are taking one car it's thought that you know if you go there you better take a backup car but a lot of these teams said screw it i mean we're 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 hauling one car down there and and we're gonna we're gonna make a run at it. the only place they're doing practices are the the, the courses that Obviously, they did Daytona, but the courses we haven't been to, they're going to have to go down and, and and practice on them. And I think that's great. I think we talked about it last year, but it's interesting that the race team alliance, the owners are the ones that said, hey, let's not do this. Because if you remember, back when NASCAR started limiting testing, oh, you would have thought the owners were getting ready to go on strike, Billy Bradley. They were all pissed about that 15 years ago, 16 years ago or whatever. And now yep. they're like, no, 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 we, we like this. Because the sponsorship dollars – 
They just ain't there like that. Dale Jr. ain't getting $25, $30 million uh, for for his car anymore. You know, we're bare bones budget as as compared, relatively speaking, compared to what it used to be. And I thought that was very interesting Mm -hmm. that that's what they they were doing. You know, something else you and I and everybody in our text group that we've talked about, this year are the paint schemes, Billy. And I got to tell you something right now. <laughs> that group over there at Trackhouse. Uh, got it going. They put some hellacious paint schemes out. I love what they're doing with Daniel Suarez. The Modelo car, I think I shared a picture with that with you yesterday with that. That Modelo car makes me want to go buy a case of Modelo today. And this, we are not sponsored by Modelo. Let me tell you that right now. But it's badass. It's sleek. It's fast. It absolutely um, catches the attention of the Hispanic community immediately, but it looks – it is the best beer paint scheme I've ever seen. It's clean, it's fast, it's good-looking, and i got to tell you something. What what they're doing over there with Daniel Suarez – oh, by the way, uh, Camping World is sponsoring Daniel Suarez for a handful of races or something, you know, this, and they're doing it as a multi, multi – um, I'll, I'll get to work – I haven't been on the golf course, Billy Bradley, but I'm in kind of in the same boat you are. Um, but they're doing like a multicultural initiative to get the Spanish-speaking people more comfortable going into the store and, and purchasing outdoor uh, recreational equipment and that sort of thing. And, Billy, you and I said this four years ago when we were still at Dirty Mo Radio. Four years ago we were talking about why didn't Bubba Wallace – have all the sponsors. He, he should have been picking sponsors whom he wanted and letting other people down. Exactly. And now here we are, and people are acting like this is like, oh, that's great for them. Where was everybody four fucking years ago when we had a black driver in here who, who uh, I mean, he had to beg Domino's on the golf course uh, to, to do things. I mean, this is an absolute gold mine for the right companies that want to get out there and introduce this sport a whole crop of people who haven't been watching it, Billy. I think it's fantastic what Camping World's doing. Um, old Marcus, uh, uh, what is it, boy, um, he said something after the truck race about giving what old Sheldon Creed, maybe have him give him a call, get some sponsorship. But sponsorship. I like, yeah, I like what Camping World's doing, and I, and I like the direction that Trackhouse is going, and I, I'm pretty delighted. About, and, Billy, we have literally been talking about this for years. Yep, exactly. You know, that's why the, this whole Bubba situation, like, it kind of, it, it, it irks me just a little bit that, you know, all this sponsorship is coming after uh, a bad thing that happened in, in yeah. America that should have been, never should have happened. Bubba Wallace should have had this five, four or five years ago when he first stepped into the sport. Like, you know, we said it from day one. It's ridiculous. The fact that Bubba Wallace didn't have it four years ago tells you just how shitty NASCAR was um, because all of a sudden now nothing has changed. There's not one thing that's changed except that NASCAR is a hell of a lot more woke than they used to be, and yeah. people are looking at it as an opportunity to do the right thing. And and listen, if they make money off of it, fantastic. I, you know, I've got reservations on you know whether that's that's cool or not, but one thing is for sure, and, and you and I have both. Hell, you and I both badmouth Bubba Wallace today. <laughs> yeah. Hell, you have probably in the last two hours if I go back and check my text messages with, with Jimmy Wags. But the fact of the matter is you and I both know that they've been deserving of this kind of sponsorship. 
They are definitely worthwhile drivers. I mean, they don't suck for any stretch of imagination. And it, and it's about time that, that we see some companies stepping up and doing some things. Uh, one thing I got to ask you about, Michael Jordan was a, Michael Jordan was talking with Bubba Wallace and Denny Ham. I think Michael Strahan did it. And he said he expects yeah. two wins from Bubba Wallace, and anything on top of that would make him happy. What? Did I? Bill? What? Billy, is Bubba Wallace winning two races? I mean, I get the feeling that Michael Jordan just put an enormous amount of pressure on Bubba Wallace. Yeah, that's something that, you know, we Bubba doesn't already perform well under pressure. So, now, Bubba Wallace didn't get a win at all this year. I think Bubba Wallace wins next year. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we got another Daytona track. We got a couple of Talladega tracks. He runs decent at Martinsville, but I don't see him winning this year. Billy, I'll tell you this. He's got a chance at Bristol. He's got a chance at Martinsville. He, we got we got three more plate tracks coming up. Where Bubba Wallace makes me nervous is next year is a brand-new gig, son. We have no idea how that car is going to drive. We saw Jimmy Johnson uh, couldn't turn um, – uh, all he, all Jimmy Johnson could do was take chicken salad and turn it into chicken shit. And then the car tomorrow came came around, and he, and and all of a sudden Jimmy Johnson, seven time champion, and Dale Jr. struggled mightily. We don't know what's going to happen in 2022. I, I think Bubba Wallace is going to creep up there into the top 15 in points. I definitely think that. I think he's got the car to do it. I think he's got the driving ability to do it. I don't think he's got the experience to handle this type of shit. And we've we've seen that with him in the past. But I think old Michael Jordan. And put, maybe putting a little bit too much pressure on this thing. He, I think, and he's a longtime fan. I, we we both know why he said that with with Denny Hamlin with, with his with his partner and his driver in the room. Um, Michael Jordan ain't afraid to step on anybody's toes, and, and I think that may be what he did. Um, but but it was very interesting, and, and we have to talk about um, Ty Gibbs. I remember when Ty Gibbs was a little kid, I, maybe five or six, and he gave the opening prayer at an all-star race there in Charlotte one year. And now, Billy Bradley, he won his debut race. I, I got to tell you something, Billy. I saw something special out of Ty Gibbs that I haven't seen in a very, very long time. I think Ty Gibbs – now, he, he's, he's got a silver damn spoon in his mouth. Let's not, let's not, let's not overlook that. He's had excellent opportunities. He's got the name recognition. But, son – He's got the skill on the track, and I think that's undeniable. What is your uh, what is your thoughts on Ty Gibbs? Well, I actually tuned in and I watched that race, and when he made that pass and went through the grass, I was like, "Holy shit!" I jumped up off the couch and about went out in the yard and done wind sprints, like you always say. <laughs> like we don't see stuff like that anymore, and Ty Gibbs was able to to make that car work and like. It was just an old school NASCAR move. It was magic, Billy, and and I, and and I, I certainly have followed his name when it was you know in the news and that sort of thing. I have not followed his career or anything like that. But lo and behold, uh, by Tuesday of of this week, uh, Ty Gibbs or uh, Ty, excuse me, yeah, Ty Gibbs, Ty Gibbs has uh, 14 more races all of a sudden. Um, yeah. out of nowhere, he got some sponsorship. So Ty Dillon is going over there to race some. Uh, you got Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch in there. But Ty Gibbs is going to get 15 races in that car, Billy. And I think Ty Gibbs is going to be in the top 20 in points with 15, with, with 15, 16 races. I think he can do that because 
the Xfinity series kind of sucks. The, the truck series, I mean, they got the, the, the problem with the truck series, Billy, is the truck, the, the ones at the top are great and the competition is fantastic, but they got some dumbass shitty drivers in that field as well. But that's, I'm not excited at all about the Xfinity race. I think he's got a they, good shot to be, uh, uh, I mean, Sam Mayer is going to run every race. He's going to have some difficulty doing that, but it's not out of the question that he doesn't uh, compete for the rookie of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, and the Xfinity Series, the way it's heading now, since all this bitching about Kyle Busch racing and winning all these races, they pretty much put a stop to that. If they keep that this trend going, the Xfinity Series will be about like the Truck Series in the next year. So it's not far from it now. Yeah, I think you're right, Billy, and I think that's exactly where we're headed. But Ty Gibbs, something special. It's it's good to see. I, I like where he's coming, and it's funny that, uh, you know, uh, he had Monster on the car, right? Right. Yep. Um, be interesting to see who does better, Ty Gibbs or the people they're dumping uh, tons of money in there over there at Haley Diggins. Um, is it Haley or Hallie? My daughter's name is Hallie, spelled the same way. Is it Haley or Hallie, Billy? Well, they pronounced it Haley. Okay. Well, I'm going to call her Hallie Deegan because um, that's my daughter's name, and everybody calls my daughter Haley. So Hallie Deegan, we'll see who does better in the, uh, with that sort of with, – with their, with their career. But I, I, right, Ty Gibbs is something special, and I, I think he's going to be something to watch. Ty, uh, Christopher Bell – I think he's on a rocket ship. And what do you think if you were Eric Jones right about now, Billy Bradley? What, what, was you, what, what do you, How do you think about that right now? Well, I kind of thought maybe, you know, next year or so, Eric Jones may be jumping back into Toyota to maybe be a spinoff team with the 23 team. Mm-hmm. But uh, with the, the way Ty Gibbs wrecked that race, <laughs> I don't know that Eric Jones would have a shot. Let me tell you something. If Ty Gibbs keeps this up, he ain't going to be there long. He, he's, he absolutely is going to be driving for Denny Hamlin. He never raced a truck in his, and jumped straight up in his first Xfinity Series and won. Yeah, that's that's impressive. No, Not too many people can do that. He's got the talent, and and I, I was I was very damn impressed. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, oh, have you seen that um, the SRX series that Tony Stewart is putting out by chance? <laughs> I have been keeping up with it. Uh, I had heard a podcast. Uh, I can't remember which one it was. Like, damn, I've listened to so many here. And they that they were talking about like uh, all of a sudden that you know we stopped going to Eldora. And, they started bad mouth and NASCAR and Tony Stewart, and then him and Abraham goes and gets this series up and going with some of the old drivers. Yeah, could this be the new NASCAR, Billy? I, I that's a great that's a great point, Billy. That I, I really hadn't considered. But let me tell you where where this is headed. First of all, the reason I brought it up today is because I read where um, you remember when. Uh, Matt Crafton lost it then, or was it Matt Crafton? Or no, it was um, uh, William Byron, I believe, blew an engine at the truck championship, and it was from that uh, that company that builds all the truck engines. I think uh, I think it's called. Um, uh, well, they are building all of SRX uh, series engines. Billy, there's 700 horsepower V8 engines. Mm-hmm. 
700 horsepower V8 engine. That's a big son of a bitch. That's and what I, we've been saying about the cup cars, more horsepower, less downforce. Billy, I am cautiously excited to see how this shit turns out. This may be some racing that that I think we all may be able to get into. Now, I'm not real excited about Michael Walter. If I, you know, yeah. I, 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 you know, Michael Walter, but there, this may turn out to be. So I've got my eye on it. Just I'm definitely going to peep it, check it out. I think Tony Stewart's got the right idea. Ray Evernham is a is is one of the best cheaters that's ever been in the sport, and he damn sure. Uh, hey, if he's running a series, you better be on your A game to get shit past that son of a bitch, um, <laughs> because he he reinvented cheating, and uh, his people, uh, his two pupils, uh, Chip Ganaus and or uh, Chad Ganaus and Steve Latart, they sure as hell piggybacked off of that and got some victories. Speaking of Steve Latart, COVID has taken uh, Corey LaJoy's uh, – well, I, I, hang on, man. I, I don't want to sound like somebody died. That, that's a little, uh, Corey LaJoy's crew chief come down with COVID. So protocols, he has to stay away. Steve LaTarte is back in the – on top of the pit box, and he's been a consultant over there at Spire Motorsports. Now, Spire Motorsports has impressed me as well. We talked about it last week. Rob Lopes, I don't think uh, – and I'm not putting words in his mouth. He's not real keen on on the Spire Motorsports, you know, way they do things. But I think it's brilliant. I think it's great. They've got Steve Latart as a consultant, and Steve Latart's going to be back on the pit box. Billy, is Steve Latart going to impress? Is he going to be rusty, or is he going to be mad? I think just having Steve Latart back on the box is going to gain Corey LaJoy an automatic three to five more positions on the racetrack you know have that much confidence in steve latart i hate that him and junior didn't cross paths a lot sooner in junior's career we could probably be celebrating championship listen if lance mcgrew that oh god don't don't get me started i've already cussed enough on this podcast (laughs) if lance mcgrew If Steve Latar, I agree with you, Billy. If Steve Latar would have been with Junior two years earlier, uh, they would have won a hell of a lot more than seven wins together. Uh, they uh, eight wins, whatever they got together. They would have been, uh, we we would have been talking about you know being up there in the championship. I, I do believe we would have been in the final four at Homestead. I, that's how much respect I have for Steve Latar and what he's doing. I believe Steve Latar is going to go in there, and I don't necessarily believe Steve Latar is going to make Corey LaJoy that much better. But let me tell you what I think he's going to – I believe with your – you know, he, he could probably gain a few spots, okay? I believe that. But here's where Steve Latart is going to do that team great. Everybody that goes to the track with Steve Latart is going to come back from that track infinitely better than they were without Steve Latart there. When Steve Latart directs people and tells what the engineers do, do this, do that, do this, get ready for this – He's going to have them thinking on a level that they never thought before, and I suspect them to to really learn from this. And I, I and I'm I'm and by the way, he's been Steve Latart has been helping out their crew. Rick Spy, I can't remember his name. Um, pretty good, decent crew chief. He's not, I mean, he's he's on the pit box for Pete's sake, but he's been mentoring him for months. And, and I think this is going to make everybody better, including their regular. Uh, crew chief, and I'm excited to see him get up there on the top, Billy Bradley. What anything else we need to talk about here, uh, Billy Bradley? Nah, it's been a pretty quiet week with this, with not much news going on. And uh, thankfully, you know, I, I did. Uh, I don't know if you've called it yet or not, but the Dell Junior download they had old Glenville on there, and 
And just some of the story. I always knew that the guy was, you know, real big into football, of course, with the Falcons and the Houston Oilers. But, and I really enjoyed that podcast. Billy, you texted the group, and you said that might have been your favorite, and I thought you were an idiot. (laughs) Uh, There's no damn way. Uh, Billy, you were right. That is a surprising, fantastic podcast, Dell Jr. Download with Jerry Glanville, supremely interesting. It's almost as interesting as when they had Harry Gant on there, and, and, the, and the guy, I can't remember his damn name now, but the guy who uh, was, was racing and sold cocaine and marijuana and went to prison and came back out and wrote the oh, book. And yeah. I, I can't remember his damn name, but it was almost – uh, that, that interview was fantastic, and those boys over there at Dirty Mo Radio, they, they, they damn sure have uh, upped their game. The only way they could possibly be better, Billy Bradley, is to get our podcast back on their lineup. I mean, that's, that'd be the only thing that could help them, help them out in their numbers, but I'll be honest with you. I, I'm going to just be uh, – I mean, you and I swore an oath that it would take uh, Mike Davis. Mike Davis would have to come out with a hashtag, Mike Davis really does suck. Uh, before we would ever get back on there. And I don't think he's willing to do that again, Billy. It's just now starting to die down. Yeah, it has been pretty quiet. And they also got this – you remember when, when we uh, stopped the podcast, you Undamed Restricted stopped, and he sent us these uh, brown T-shirts. <laughs> yeah. now, have you seen how they've upped their game on this uh, – Billy. All these shirts they got out now? Billy, I, I listen, if I ever wanted to know – what Mike Davis thought about you and I, all I have to do is pull. I've got the shirt right fucking here, Billy. It's in my drawer. It is the, I think I describe it as the color of dirty bed sheets. That's what it looks like. It looks like you hadn't washed your bed sheets in seven months, and they used to be white. That's what this thing looks like. Yeah, they have definitely upped their game. Their merchandise, obviously Mike Davis is not in charge of it anymore uh, because it is skyrocket. All right, Billy, let's uh, let's bring in the expert again with Rob, and let's talk about what we got going on down here at Homestead. Rob Lopes, got another question for you, brother. Um, we yes, are sir. using the 550 horsepower package down at at homestead now would you please remind us what the 550 horsepower package is it's got air ducts what what is what do we got on that car okay there's uh you got you got the old air ducts in there you've got the big blade and you're down on power big blade down on power last year i thought this thing performed stellar under the lights i'm not sure that it did fantastic or was it the opposite? Hell, I can't remember now. It seemed like it did better on a cooler track um, than it did on a hotter track. But we're going to Homestead, and hopefully we're going to run a, a, a day race. And we've talked about progressive banking in the past, and I always get questions about what the hell exactly is progressive banking because you can look at Texas Motor Speedway, and you can look at Homestead, and from the air, you know, from 30,000 feet, you would think they were relatively the same track. But they are, compl- they are very different tracks, uh, Rob. Can you explain to us a little bit about the um, progressive banking? Sure. I, I, to, to try to put it in a nutshell and keep it simple, uh, like when, like, you know, Bristol is what? Uh, we'll use that as an example. And that's, I don't think Bristol's progressive, is it? I don't even remember anymore. Yeah, At any rate, we'll use any oval. We'll use any oval. Yeah. So you basically, you know, with a bank racetrack, a standard bank racetrack, for lack of a better term, you have the apron, which is flat, 
and then you get up onto the banking and it might be, let's say it's 25 degrees. Yeah. Well, it's like taking a 25 degree angle and you draw it, you draw a straight line to a wall. Yeah. Well, when you have progressive banking, the higher you now progressive banking might start at 25, but it might end at 30. So yeah. basically as you're going toward the wall, you're getting more and more bank. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's, it's not a, it's not, a linear angle, it is more a, a, a progressive angle. Yeah, and, and, and hence and, progressive, progressive banking. And, and the thing about it is, and that's why most of us don't really know why when we watch the race, so we don't know there's progressive banking, we like, wow, there's cars. You're, you're probably not going to see it, though. You're, I mean. With the 550 it, horsepower? Well, no, you're probably not going to see, like, to stand there and look at the racetrack, you're not going to see oh. Yeah, from the naked. You'll eye. feel it. You can feel it in. You can feel it in the car. Sure. You know, like okay, you know, I'm I'm getting more help from the ground to turn because I got more banking to help the car turn. Yeah. So you know, it, and and there's some pluses and minuses to it. Some guys like it. Some guys don't. Yeah. But the cool thing about this is, is everybody's running the same racetrack, so everybody's got to deal with it. <laughs> that is a very cool thing, uh, and, and we've seen. You know, guys like Dale Jr., Kyle Larson, Tyler Reddick, uh, they love to be up on uh, ride the rim. And we've seen guys that like to hug mm-hmm. the bottom. Uh, Kevin Harvick, is a, he loves to ride that, that line right there on the bottom. Yeah. And you got people that are, that are in between. And, and, I, and, and it's funny, when, when I think of a guy like Ryan Newman and I think about, you know, last year's race, I, I think Ryan Newman could move around the track. Um, he could move up and down, and I think – Rob, I think that's kind of a key when you can when you can when you can go from the bottom to the middle, maybe run the high and then come down. If something if somebody's behind you and coming up and passing, that is a hell. If your car can do that, you can keep some people behind you. And I think that's just an, an advantage, especially with this 550 horsepower. Do you agree? Uh, definitely. Uh, I mean, and and you you brought it up. You said it yourself. Like Larson, he loves to run the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he he will go to the top every every chance he gets, every place that lends itself to it, you know, or where it's, it's good speed. He will go to the top, and he'll make his car work up there, and it'll haul the mail. You take his line away, he might not be as good on the bottom, yeah. but I mean, he's still going to be fast. But he's a top he's a top guy, you know. And then you got Harvick, who you know l- lends himself to the bottom. You know, he'll go he'll catfish down there because he's running the bottom, and he and he'll hug that line and he'll haul the mail. Yeah. And good luck getting him off of there. But at the same time, at the same time, you take his line away, he'll go to the middle and go to the top and find speed. Yeah. And then, like you said with Ryan, Ryan will run the part of the racetrack that is best for him. Yeah. If, if the grip's at the bottom and he's fast, he'll, he'll work the bottom. But he definitely, he's not going to say, set my car up for the top. I, I, I'm going to run the top. Set my car for the bottom. I'm going to run the bottom. He wants, yeah. to, he wants his car to work from the white line all the way to the fence. Yeah. So he can pick and choose where he runs. Yeah. And we have seen in the past where, you know, guys that have been able to do that, Jimmy Johnson, by the way, has won many a championship by doing just that same thing, uh, being able to run, you know, all three grooves when it, when it suits him best. And, and that's a, that's not a bad way to, to get around that racetrack is to be able to drive it where you need to, to, to make some right. passes and, and to do those sorts of things. Um, last week in Florida, um, before you go on your, your, your trek out, out west, and, and I got to imagine that 
being down in Florida for a couple weeks has not been a terrible thing, but um, uh, this is going to be a, the, the schedule's really goofy as we talked about it. You're going to go out west, and then you're going to come back. We've definitely got to talk about uh, this Bristol thing is as it's it's looming large in here, and I'm not sure what to make of it yet. But uh, before we do all that, Rob Lopes, give us. We still your, got plenty of racing. We still got plenty of racing before we get to Bristol. Lots plenty of, plenty of racing before we get there. Um, um, yeah, the other big got? thing I wanted to talk about though yeah. is we're, we're going to Homestead. We're going to we're going we're starting to run some ovals now. We're off the Super Speedway. We're off the road course. Okay, we're going to get into some ovals. You know, which is basically the meat and potatoes of the schedule. Mm-hmm. Homestead. Up on tires, you got to manage your equipment. Um, the weather is supposed to be, I think, pretty sunny, mid 80s, low to mid 80s. So, I mean, it's going to be, it, it, it should be a fun race for us. You know, with that sun out and everything, things slip sliding around, tracks hard on tires, could be a lot of action. Have you ever had a Cuban sandwich? Yes. They're damn and, good, aren't they? And, and, going, and going to a place to get some good ones, that's for sure. Yeah, that's that's really a, good stuff that, They're fantastic. Um, Rob, uh, start us off here. Give me your your race winner and your dark course for Homestead Miami Speedway. Uh, race winner is going to be Kevin Harvick for sure. Okay, that was just um, just, just quick. sign it, sign it. All right, got um, it down. The dark horse, and see, and this is the fun part about the early part of the season is. I mean, heck, you know, like Brad Keselowski's a dark horse right now. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he um, is. Let's see. Uh, let's see. We got Harvick and who? who, uh, who, who, who. Um, you know, I think I'm going to have to take. I think I'm going to have to take old Brad Keselowski down there. Oh man, that's two damn good picks. Tell me who you got for your winner and who you got for your dark horse, bud. Yeah, man, you just said that both of them and. I, I would go with uh, Kyle Larson, mm-hmm. and for my dark horse, I'm going to take oh Daniel Suarez. Dude, that's a great pick. That is an absolutely great pick, Billy Bradley. I, I'm I, I I was eyeballing him as well, dude. He's in Miami. I'm in Miami, Trick. He's down in Miami <laughs> with Pitbull. And if you don't think right now that um, Cayocho right now is, do you even know what Cayocho is, Billy Bradley? No, you're going to have to educate me. <laughs> Calle Ocho. Calle means street. That is 8th Street down in Hialeah. Oh, God. I, I guarantee you, son, they are getting it on down there right now with uh, Mr. Mer- Mr. Worldwide. But Calle Ocho himself is down there. I, they are raising hell and having a good time. I expect yep. Daniel Suarez to uh, to do very well. And I, since you took the five, I think I will take the old uh, Martin Truex Jr., um, I like Martin Truex Jr. How he does there. Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano are also great there. I'm going to take Martin Truex Jr. And I am going to take – oh, my goodness. Wait, I got the opportunity to take – got the opportunity to take Austin Dillon or uh, – Tyler Reddick has struggled a little bit here. I, I'm a little bit nervous to take – no, I'm taking Alex Bowman, for Christ's sake. So I'm taking Bowman. That's a good pick. Um, uh, I'm taking Bowman to Showman there. We're leaving Chase Elliott out. We're leaving a ton of good drivers out there, um, including Kevin Harvick. But Kevin Harvick doesn't doesn't normally go down there and 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 kick ass. But for Billy Bradley, for Rob Lopes, this is Dado. Y'all have a good one. All right, y'all have a good one. Enjoy the race, folks. It's going to be awesome. Kyoto, <laughs> see you, Bob.